enough. The mistakes you've made can never be erased. Every one of us have been lied to by the enemy. And as we continue on this series and walking in freedom, she got her freedom. My prayer is that whatever the enemy has told you, in whatever area of your life, that we'll walk through this together and you will get your freedom. Amen? Amen. Father, hide me behind the cross this morning. Father, let every word that comes from here, from my mouth, be exactly what you want me to say, Lord. Father, have your way. Father, let your people break free. Let them know how precious they are in your sight. In Jesus' name. So we are doing week number two, our identity in Christ. Last week we talked about the fact that we are made, we came from God. That with every one of us, there's a hole inside of you that connects you to God. And that until every one of us finds that connection, reconnect back, we'll just be like a refrigerator that you bought. Beautiful, new, but it's not working Because you've not plugged it to the light source, to the power source. And so we talked a lot about a lot of things last week. And we said that for you to even know who you are, it's very important that you know who Jesus is first. Because everything about our identity, your identity, my identity, it rests inside of Jesus Christ. Without him, you cannot be complete. Psychology will tell you, come do psychotherapy. They will give you pills. We are finding out, I'm in that profession. Everybody's coming right back to this. Because at the end of the day, they are realizing this is the only way. When you find yourself in Him, and your identity is tied with His, that is the only way you can find who you are. Because the society will want to tell you you are one thing that God didn't say you are. Even your family sometimes will want to tell you you are what you're not. We see the media, look at her. I sent that tape to Teresa. She said, wow, she's beautiful. How would somebody that beautiful think until she's skinny, she's not worthy worthy of anything? That's the lie the enemy tells us. There are five lies of Satan that every one of us here can relate to. The first lie he tells us is that you are worthless. He says that you don't belong. You don't measure up. You're not good enough. You see Sister B, how she sings. You, know, you don't sing that way. You see Brother A, with the good grace they have, you, don't, you can never be like that. You're dumb. You're worthless. And then we begin to strive to make ourselves look better. Some of us begin to lie about different things in our life, exaggerate things in our life. Try to please people. Always feeling like you're on edge, trying to make people like you. Please people, even when it's to your own detriment, or even when it's to the detriment of the word of God. That's a lie of the enemy. It's a lie of the enemy, and it's making people not... Fulfill what God has made for them to fulfill. The second lie is that you don't have the right image. You're not skinny enough. 
You're not pretty enough. You don't have enough muscles. You're too short. You're too tall. Your nose is too big. Your hands are too big. You were made in the image of God. You look like God. You are like God in everything. He says, let us make man out of our own image and likeness. God put you where he wanted you. God made you from the race he wanted you. God put you in the country he wanted you. God put you in the skin color he wanted you to be in. Everybody's about image. You see young girls, young boys, doing whatever it takes, eating disorders. Just because the enemy has lied to them, you don't have the right image. The third lie is that you are guilty. You deserve what happened to you. Even though you were raped, you deserve it. It's the way you dressed. It's the way you talked. Even though you were abused as a young girl, you deserved it. That's the lie of the enemy. And he tells you that so that you feel guilty all your life. You can't even go to God because you feel dirty. You feel guilty every time you stand before God. And so you never know how to get close to God. That's the lie of the enemy. Because what he's trying to do, the plan of the devil at the end of the day, is to keep you bound, to keep you low, to keep your head down, so you can never amount to anything. And so he starts from childhood when you are little. And then number four, he tells you, you don't need anybody. You've done it by yourself. You can pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can make it on your own. You don't need anybody. You see how they've hurt you? You see what they've done to you when you opened your heart? You see how they betrayed you and they stabbed you at the back? You can do this on your own. You don't need anybody. You don't even need God. He failed you. And so you try to do it on your, on your own and you find out the weight is too much. You're struggling. You can't sleep. You're scheming in your head how to climb, how to destroy other people because of what the lie the enemy has told you. And then the last one is too late for you. You're too old. If you started at the age of 25, you would have been here now. Here you are, you are 60 or you are 70 years old or you are how old you are. What are you, how many years do you have left? What are you going to do? Oh, you are too young. Enjoy yourself. So your wide oats. You have enough years. You have enough time. Baby, you don't. You don't know what tomorrow brings. I told you last week, salt can be added to food at any time. If you forget to put salt at the beginning, at the end of the food on, on the table, you can still take your salt shake and put your salt and the food will taste just as good. You cannot put tomatoes at the end of your food. If you're making that stew, you don't put tomatoes at the right time, your food is wasted. And the Bible says you are the salt. That means you can never lose your flavor. You can never lose your importance. You are relevant at no matter the stage in your life. No matter the stage in your life. When the enemy comes and tells you it's too late for you, he is a bastard. He's a liar. It's not too late for you. So who are you? Are you one of those five things I just mentioned? Amen. 
So this week, I want to tell you that God chose you. God chose you. God chose you. Mary, God chose you. He picked you out. Gave you a name. Gave you a purpose. Sent you to this world to fulfill that. From the foundation of the earth, before your mommy knew your daddy, he chose you. Let's see what the scripture says. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says, but you are chosen. You are a chosen generation. A royal, you are royalty. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him. The reason he chose you is why? That you may proclaim the praises of him. Because now he has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So what are you still doing in the darkness? You have been called out. You have been chosen. In the, in, in the Israelites, the Jewish race, when God chose them, what he did was, he chose them as a nation. Then he chose different tribes. Then out of those tribes, he chose a special family. And out of those special family, he chose the high priest. And so there were degrees of choosing in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, we don't have those anymore. We are all chosen. We are all under the same food. And I'm not better than you. You are not better than me. I can read the word of God and understand. And you can read the word of God and understand it. There is no degree of choosing anymore. You are a chosen generation, all of us. The spiritual choosing is so much spiritual, higher, superior to the physical choosing that he was talking about here. He said, you are a chosen generation. A royal priest to the holy nation. His own special people. Have you ever been picked for something special? By somebody you respected? I remember I got a call. And they said, we want you, Pastor Angela, to come and speak at the district council. I'm talking about legacy. At the time, I'm still feeling broken, vulnerable, naked. I'm like, me? Yeah, we want you to come and speak. Me? Somebody noticed me? Do you know how it made me feel? How it put some air under my wing and I'm like, okay, I can, I can do it. If, if they think I can do it, that's how you sh- God notices you, not a man, God. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 says, just as he chose us in him. That's why I said, it's always in Jesus. You cannot do it outside of him. He said, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy. See why he's choosing us? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by who? By Jesus Christ himself, to himself. A special treasure. (laughs) You're specially treasured by God. So can you imagine if God sees you this way, then enemy comes and tells you you're worthless? A special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. 
So you are chosen. God says to tell you today, you are accepted. You are, you belong. You are important. You are significant. You are visible. And I want you, because of that, I want everybody walking out of here today, walk with your head high. I see what low self-esteem, low self-worth can do to people. A child will take a blade and just cut themselves up. Just because they don't feel they, they mean anything to anybody. Or because daddy or mommy says you're you're useless. Comparing them to a brother or sister who is doing well. That's the enemy. That's the devil. And that's what we should be fighting. These 12 weeks I've told you guys, please, where's Jennifer? Sign up, please. If you know anybody struggling with these things, we are here to help. The word of God, like I said, this is deliverance right here. When you know this word of God and you know what God thinks about you and says about you, you will walk in freedom. So let all that inferiority fall away under the weight of God's love, under the canopy of his love for you. Amen? Now, why is God doing that for us? Like I said, it's all about Jesus. Let's see what God says about Jesus being the ultimate chosen one. In Matthew chapter 12 verse 18... The Bible says, Behold my servant, talking about Jesus, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. That means I chose Jesus. God himself already chose Jesus. And the reason we will see he chose Jesus was he was looking out for you and I. So because he knew we can never be chosen and complete if we are not in him. Luke chapter 9 verse 35. When Jesus was being baptized. He says, then a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. You see how Jesus was also chosen? And then John chapter 1 verses 33 to 34. He says, I didn't know he was the one, but God made me to send me to baptize him with water. He told me the one on whom you see the spirit descend and rest on, that's John talking, is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So John says, I saw this happen to Jesus. So I testify that he is the chosen one of God. We are chosen because of Jesus. Jesus was chosen and so we too are chosen. Because Jesus was accepted, you too have been accepted. The Bible says we are in him. It's like this right here. That's, that's what it is. This is you, and then you go into Jesus, and he covers you. You are inside of him. So for you to get to this thing, this envelope right here, when it's inside this Bible, you have to destroy this Bible to get to it. 
That's who you are. You are hidden in Christ in God. You even have a double protection. You are in Christ and then in God. How dare the enemy come to you and tell you that you are naked, you are worthless, you will not amount to anything where you are hidden in Christ. The Bible says in Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation. The devil cannot condemn you again because you are in Christ Jesus. You are in Christ Jesus. You don't belong to this world. You don't belong to the devil. Whatever he whispers to you, that's not your identity. Your identity is that you are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 3 verse 3 says, For you died and your life now is hidden with God, with Christ in God. Think of all these scriptures, please. Like I said, take these scriptures down. When you get home, meditate on these things. Let these scriptures, take time to meditate on these scriptures. To press through in prayer and being with the Holy Spirit. To let him open your eyes as to who you are. Because until you realize it and walk in the fullness of who you are, you cannot fulfill what God has called you to do. There's so much to do. There's so much to do. People are looking for help. People are hungry. And we have it. We have what it takes. But if you go to them, you too have to know. You can't, you can't, be, you can't help somebody. The blind cannot lead the blind, the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 to 5. It says, just as he chose us in who again? In him. Can you see? There's nothing without Jesus. Everything is in him. It's in Christ, it's in him, in him through God, in Christ, in Jesus. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Again, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will. I'm going to be reading a lot of scriptures because we need to know what the Bible says. Not man's opinion, not what a man says, but what the Bible says. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12, NIV says, Therefore, as God's chosen. See how many scriptures talks about chosen, chosen, chosen? That's what God said. Tell them, I choose them, I choose you. God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. And so because of that, you clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. Once you're chosen, there's a reason and there's something for you to do with that choosing. But before you start doing, it's important to know that he chose you just for you to belong to him. For you to be before you do. Because we want to do, 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 do. And in doing, sometimes we forget that we are just made to be. Just to belong to him. To love him. To serve him. To let him love us. That is really what you were created to do. And out of that love and that sense of belonging, you begin to do. I mean, look at married couples. You choose each other, don't you? And out of that love for each other, you would do anything for your spouse. You don't do, 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 do. You be first. First Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 4. It says, we know, dear brothers and sisters, 
that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. You are God's people. You belong to God. He chose you. He, he picked you out. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9. He says, boy, you are not like that. You are not like them. You are different. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, the holy nation, God's own very possession. God is jealous. Not jealous of you, jealous for you. There's a difference. God doesn't need us. God is jealous for us because he doesn't want evil to come near us. He treasures us too much to let evil come to us. So he's jealous for you. God doesn't need any more. He has enough angels to praise him. He has enough elders and, and, and creatures in heaven that are constantly falling before him in praise and worship. So he's not like he's, he's desperate for man's praise and attention. No. Everything God does is for your own good. Everything he asks you to do, everything that he, he looks is like a waterfall of love and protection that he wants you to stay in all the time. It's for our own good that God possesses us the way he does and is jealous for us the way he does. When you are married as a husband or as a wife, you don't want your wife or your husband going out and committing adultery with somebody else. You don't. You put a ring on their finger to show this one belongs to me. I picked this one out of the whole crowd. This one is mine. The same way God sees you. The Bible says you are his bride. You are his bride. Not talking about women, men, thing, but in the spirit you are his bride. And so you should keep yourself as the bride of Jesus, as a wife to a husband who is faithful. And part of faithfulness means that you don't allow anything to soil you. You don't allow yourself to become what you've not been made. You keep your bridegroom, you keep your, your, your wedding dress clean all the time. You are his treasured possession. That's what he wants you to know. You are first and foremost, you are chosen to be his own treasured possession. Let's see how Jesus explained this to the, ten, to the uh, 70 that went out. You know, he was traveling from city to city to preach. And he sent his 70 ahead of him, told them to go and prepare the towns for him. And when they came back, the Bible says in Luke 10, verses 17 to 20, it says, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Then he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all over the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. He ha- we have the power already. But look at what he says. He said, nevertheless, don't rejoice. Although you've done all those things, uh, that's part of the deal. That's, that's part of it. The fact that you are in me, that's just expected. He says, don't rejoice. Rejoice, but don't rejoice in that too much. Look at what he says you should rejoice over. He says in verse 20, 20, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. But rather rejoice. Why? Because your names are written in heaven. Because you belong to him eternally. That is why you should rejoice. You belong to somebody. 
Not just here, not just temporary, eternally. This flesh may go away one day, but you are someone's treasured possession. That's how I want us to see ourselves. So when the devil comes and starts to whisper stupid stuff in your eyes, ears, you tell him to, to, to get away from you. God treasures you. Hallelujah. So why are we chosen? First of all, just to be. Just to belong to him. Then number two, we are chosen to do good works. Because when God has chosen you, how can you not love somebody who chooses you? How can you not love somebody who prefers you? How can you not love somebody who is willing to give everything for you? It says in Christ, he gave us everything. It says if he didn't withhold him from dying for us, how will he with him not give you all things? The Bible says he gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How can you not love a God like that? How can you not want to do good works to make him, to, to, to show your appreciation for him? So you are chosen to do good works. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ, again in Christ Jesus. You can't do anything. I'm finding out, anybody trying to do anything without Jesus, you will fail again and again and again. It's always in Jesus. You were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand. Woo! That's powerful right there. There are some things God prepared and said, this is for you, Angela. These are your goodies. This is what I want you to do. There was a man sent by God. His name was John. That, like I tell you, that scripture changed my life. That there was a man sent by God, and his name was John. That means John, God sat down with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus and said, Let's create a man, call him John. And we're going to send him. Just like he said, let's create you. And send you. So what have you been sent here to do? Do you know? Do I know? That's the question. And until we find out who we are in Christ, that will always be a question. But the minute you find out who you are in him, that's no longer a question. Because once you know him, he knows you, he gives you your name, you get your purpose and you're ready to run with it. So you're chosen to do good works. You're also chosen to be faithful. Don't tell me I have six minutes. Revelation chapter 17 verse 14. It says, for he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And those who are with him, again, him is Jesus. Those who are with him and called, you are chosen and you are faithful. So you are chosen to be faithful. Once you belong to Jesus, you cannot be serving God and mammon. The Bible says you can't do it. It's him and him alone. Then you are chosen to be holy and blameless. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. He says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame. Is he saying that you are perfect? No. There's a big difference between blameless and perfect. We can never be perfect on this side of heaven. But we can be blameless. Just as there's a difference between iniquity and transgression and sin. 
So if you don't measure up one day, you make, make a mistake one day, God is not going to throw you out. <laughs> He's not going to do that. We are harder on ourselves than God is on us. But all of these are secondary to you belonging to him. Don't try to please any man. Don't try to do it on your own. Don't, try, don't strive to make people like you. You already loved. You already accepted. You already chosen. You already preferred. You don't need anybody to, to do this for you to feel that you are doing a good job. God already says, I love you, I choose you, I prefer you. So how do we break free from these false ideas and and identities that the enemy has put on us? Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1 to 2 says, arise, shine. That's the first thing you have to in your own own Noah. They say Noah, in your Noah, know that. And in yourself, like the prodigal son says, you know what? Enough is enough. It's time for me to go back. So you yourself, you must rise up on the inside of you and say, no more, Satan. I cannot live this way. Sally, you tell me all the time I'm worthless. No more. I'm going to rise up and I'm going to shine. He says, arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness over the people. But the Lord will rise over you. He's, 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 he's on your side. He says, I will rise over you and I want my glory to be seen in you. We have to show the glory of the Lord. Amen. The devil will fight us all the days of our lives, but we win. The Bible says it causes us to triumph always. He says we are more than conquerors in him. So you already won. The battle has already been won for you. You are already victorious. So you can rise up and shine. That he cannot hold you back. So the first thing you must remember is that you are made to rise and shine. And then realize that everything you can't, you can't do anything on your own. As you can see of all the scriptures. I, I read all those like. 22 scriptures, everything was like in him, in Christ, in him, in Christ. So just know that you don't have what it takes to make it on your own. Trying to be strong on your own will not work. Surrender and give it all to him. Then expose, number two, expose that false identity that the enemy has given you. If you're like that young girl who you just think you're not pretty, you're not skinny enough, you're not this enough, you're not that enough, identify it. Because that is half of the battle won right there. You must not deceive yourself. Everybody can deceive you, but you must not deceive yourself. You know what you're fighting with. Give it a name. Because once you give it a name, you know who you're fighting. Give it a name. Identify the false identity. But like I said last week, when you give it a name and you identify it, you need to start looking for the scriptures that will replace all those lies. And that's why we are making this, how many weeks, 12 weeks, freedom in Christ available for us to sign up so that you will see the lies and that you will see the truth that erases those lies. The truth that says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The truth that says fear shall not have a hold over you. You know those truths, and so when the enemy comes, you say, like Jesus says, it is written. And you tell him what the Bible has written. 
And then you must learn, number three, acknowledge the good in you. Philemon chapter 1 verse 6. It says that the communication of your faith may become effectual. Sometimes I want, it's like I want to underline all the scriptures. Listen to that. Your faith will not be communicated as effectual if you don't acknowledge the good things that are in you. So when I come to you and I say, oh, uh, uh, sister, this, this dress looks good on you. And you want to tell me it was $3 to minimize your good. The Bible says your faith is not being communicated as effectual. If somebody says, brother, you sang very well. Thank you. Sister, your dress looks nice. Thank you. Don't try to minimize and to demean yourself. We do that. Your dress is pretty. Oh, this, this, this dress, it was two dollars. Who cares whether it's two dollars? I said it looks good on you, sister. Your faith is not being communicated and it's not being effectual when you demean yourself. You saw how Jesus walked with authority. He would tell you, without me, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Was he proud? No. He just knew who he was. You never saw Jesus demeaning himself. He told them, he said, you are a brood of vipers. Knowing that they want to kill him. That is confidence. That is a man who knew who he was. So don't let anybody, don't let the enemy always want to make you look, oh, oh my, my this is too big. Hey, my this is too small. Hey, I mean, we go around, especially women. Ooh, baby. We go around all the time telling ourselves we are not pretty enough, you are not this enough, you have an accent, you are not... God knew exactly what he wanted when he created you. Sometimes I just want to guess Satan. If, if he was a person, you know, because you see people and you see so much potential. You see all they are carrying. You see it in the spirit. And then when they open their mind, you're like, oh my God. Because the devil has so lied to them, they don't even want to raise their head up. Meanwhile, they are loaded. So acknowledge the good in you. Number four, you have to let it go. And letting go of that false identity is not a one-time thing. It's, it's a process. It's going to take a while. That's why you need those scriptures. That's why you need to be in freedom in Christ. That's why you need to find somebody to be discipled. That's why you and your Bible should become best friends. That's why you should sleep with this. You should eat with it. This should be your, call this one more than you call people on the phone. This one right here. I can I honestly tell you, I thought I was a Christian, good Christian before, till my husband died. I'm finding out that there's so, so much. So much. I would rather stay sometimes all night and praying and reading. And I'm like, why didn't I have this hunger before? When God begins to show you things and your children are saying, Mommy, come out of your room, come out of your room, come out of your room. Just come out for a little bit because you just... We need to get there. We really, all of us need to get there. Because if not, the enemy will always come in. And you think you are okay until he begins to show you. And you are like, there is so much more to this. There's so much more. It's a process. It's a process. It's not going to happen overnight. 
And then learn to say yes when you mean yes and no when you mean no. If it's too much, if you have too much responsibilities, you don't have to say yes to everybody. <laughs> and then she's laughing like, you don't have to. You don't have to like I'm so free these days. I don't have. To. I don't. I don't care who likes me. I don't care who don't like me. I'm going to be me. That is it. I'm just going to be me. You like me? Doesn't matter. You don't like me? Don't matter. I know what I have. I know what God has called me to do. I'm confident in it, and I'm ready to go. I don't care what you think. If my life pleases God, that's it. And that's how we all should be. Because it frees, I'm telling you, it frees you, it frees you. Number five, face the loneliness. I will soon finish. Face the loneliness. I said this last week. When you are a leader, you are by yourself, period. If you want to be a leader, if you want to lead, if you want to be in the front, you have to be by yourself. Look at all the scriptures. Look at all the leaders. Look at everybody God used. They were not in a crowd. Moses was not in the crowd. His face was shining like the face that they had to put a cloth over him because he was alone with God for 40 days. Look at David. Tell me anybody that God used that was part of the crowd. That was a people pleaser. No, you won't find one in the Bible. Jesus wasn't. So face it. Jesus said, if they persecute me, how much more do you think they will persecute you? Trying to find favor with everybody is not going to work. Be ready to be persecuted. You are not of this world. You are just here, but you are not of this world. If you are wanting the world to love you, then you are part of them. Then number six, finally, as the last point before we go, you must yield to God. But one thing I found that it's so easy to yield when the other ones have been done. Because to yield to God means you're ready to look like a fool anytime, any day. But you don't get there until you have, you must go through step one, two, three, four, five. So when, during praise and worship, God says, give a word. You're not like, oh, no, not me, not me. You just open your mouth and give. God said, go to that corner, put your head down, raise your leg up. You're not wondering, okay, you know, because now you know the voice of God. You know how he speaks to you. And so you're willing and ready, you're yielded, and that's when God will begin to show himself strong on your behalf and begin to use you. I can go on and on about knowing who you are in Christ, but next week we're going to go to some other thing because I only have eight weeks. If if God wants us to continue, we'll continue for, for 12 weeks. There's so much to know. Because we need to get out of this mold that the world is trying to put all of us in. The world is trying to tell you who you are. The world is trying to label you. The world is trying to put an identity on you. And God says, no, that is not who you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Let's pray and thank the Lord. Hallelujah.